This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Good morning. This is Pastor Brent from Rochester Hills Baptist Church. You enjoy listening to Truth For Today, but today I'd like to introduce you to another ministry, Rochester Hills Christian School. RHCS is a K-12 private Christian school that features a full daycare. We minister to the students of today to help them to face the challenges of tomorrow. RHCS has strong biblical values, high academic standards, an exciting sports program for boys and girls, wonderful extracurricular activities, and excellent facilities that feature a full science lab, computer lab, art studio, and robotics lab. Call us today at 248-852-0585, extension 200, or visit our website, rhcschool.org. Good morning. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Truth For Today, ministry of Rochester Hills Baptist Church. Whether you're driving or listening at home or work, we hope that today's Bible message will challenge your heart and encourage your soul. Please visit us on our website at rhbchurch.com and be our special guest at one of our services at 3300 South Livernois Road in Rochester Hills. And now today's message from our pastor, Hal Hightower. We open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4. John chapter 4 the Bible tells us early on that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He needed to go there because that's where the Holy Spirit led him. By the way, uh, each one of us ought to walk in the Spirit. Each one of us ought to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. We, we ought not do things in our own strength or even in our own wisdom without seeking first the will of God. But uh, when he came to Samaria... There was a well where the uh, custom was that at different times of the day the ladies would come and fill their water pots and take the water pots home for washing or cooking or drinking. And so uh, there's a woman at the well filling her water pots and Jesus came to her and he asked her for a drink. This is unusual. It's unusual, first of all, for a man to ask a drink of a woman in that culture. But beyond that, the, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were at odds. They were considered enemies. And for Jesus, who was Jewish, to ask this Samaritan woman, well, that was just unheard of. In fact, she asked him, she said, how can you ask me for a drink? And he said, well... If you knew who it was that had asked you for a drink, you would ask for one and I'd give you water and you'd never thirst again. Well, she's puzzled now. She doesn't understand what he's talking about. He says, what, what do you mean? And He explained to her that he was the living water and now she's confused. She said, well, I have a question for you. She said, uh, you know, we, we Samaritans, we worship God up in the mountains. And you Jewish people, you worship God in the temple in Jerusalem. Which, which one is right? And the Lord said, God is a spirit. 
And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Basically what he's saying is, it's not the place. It's not where you worship God. It's the fact that you worship God. And as soon as he said that, she said, I bet you're a prophet. You sound like a prophet. We've heard that Messiah is coming. And he said to her, he's already here. He said, why don't you go call your husband and we'll talk about it. She said, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, you said that correctly because you've had five so far and the guy you're living with, you're not married to. And she ran to town. And she said to everybody, come see a man that told me everything that I've ever done. And a great crowd followed her. And that day, the Bible tells us, many of them were saved. Let's let's read about this crowd that came to Jesus. If you're able to stand, I invite you to stand with me, please. And we'll begin reading in verse 25. She said... The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he's come, he'll tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Go down to verse number 39 now. The Bible says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for this story. Lord, I thank you for a Savior who is no respecter of persons, but any of us and all of us can have our sins taken care of. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The story, the, 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 the purpose of, of the message is to remind you that this woman invited a great crowd to the Lord. And so, in order to figure out how this can take place for you and for me, we need to look at some specifics. First of all, there was some direct contact. Jesus went to her. She wasn't looking for him. She wasn't feeling religious. She wasn't concerned about her eternal destiny. She really wasn't even thinking anything spiritual at all. She was going about her daily business when somebody approached her. As we already said, it was unusual. The fact that he being a Jew and he being a woman would speak with her But he initiated a conversation 
so that he could get to the root of the problem, and it didn't take long. As soon as he said, go get your husband, and she said, I don't have one, we were right at the root of the problem. The problem was she was a sinner. And we might look at her lifestyle and say, yeah, that's a terrible person, but can I remind you that every one of us are sinners as well? The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says we, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We've all come short of the glory of God. And so, as Jesus rebuked her sin, the Scripture also rebukes ours. And because of that, because she was aware of her sinful condition, she was available to hear the gospel. And the Bible doesn't record the whole conversation, but the fact that she believes He's the Messiah, she believes that He is God manifested in the flesh, the fact that she believes He is the Savior of the world, something had to happen. Well, He first of all took away her religious excuses. A lot of people say, well, you know, I have my own church. Well, that's a good thing. I'd rather people had a church than not have a church. But she was trusting in her church. She was trusting in the religion of her family and her family before her. And the Lord simply saying, that's not going to do it. It's not where you worship. It's not where I worship that matters. And as we come to the 21st century, we all understand that you don't get to heaven because of the church you go to. You don't get to heaven because you're a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or uh, you help to clean the church. You don't get to heaven because you're the pastor or the song leader. You get to heaven because your sins are forgiven. But before those sins can ever be forgiven, you have to come to the place where you realize, I have sinned. And not making excuses for it. You notice in the conversation, she didn't say, well, you don't understand, my first husband was a bum. And the second guy, he was worse. And the third guy, well, I just pick bad ones. No, no, she recognized right away, I've got a problem. But the answer to her problem was the one that had confronted her and she made a wonderful discovery. She discovered the solution to her problem. The Bible teaches that we're all sinners, but it also reminds us Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day and He offers salvation as a free gift I'm convinced that this conversation at the well, the lady got saved. And the first thing she did when she got saved is she just had to tell somebody. She, she had made a wonderful discovery. She had discovered the answer to her problem. She had discovered that her, her sins had been forgiven. She had discovered the way of eternal life. And now she just had to tell somebody. Remember when you first got saved? Chances are, if you're like most of us, 
You just had to tell somebody. They didn't, you didn't have all the right words and you didn't understand what had taken place, but you knew that a wonderful change had happened in your life. And, and in fact, people caught on right away that you were different. In fact, they used the word weird. What happened to him? Oh, he got religion. She used to be so much fun. Well, you know, now she goes to that cult, Rochester Hills Baptist Church. And people would try to convince you, hey, hey, we went to church when you were little. You believed you were a part. Our, our church is good. And you try to convince them it's not a church. It's a Savior. It's not a religious system. It's a relationship. And some of them get it, and some of them look at you like, boy, are you strange. I think I told you several years ago, uh, my mom's side of the family had a family reunion. And I found out about it, but I wasn't invited. <laughs> and I asked my mom, I said, hey, uh, what's the deal with having a family reunion and not inviting me? And she said, now how? We love you, but, but we know how you are. Yeah, what was she saying? She was saying what goes on at the family reunion and how you live your life are pretty much opposed. And so we don't want you to be uncomfortable, but more than that, we don't want you to make the family reunion uncomfortable. Yeah. And so this woman made a discovery and she came to town and she said, you have got to see this person who told me everything that I ever did. Interesting, the Bible says she told all the men. Hmm. Wonder where she got her prospects for five husbands and the six guys she's living with now. She said, this guy told me everything. And the guy said, everything? Ooh. I better go check this guy out myself. And pretty soon the whole community comes out and Jesus is there and He's preaching and teaching and because of her testimony, many got saved and because of His teaching, more got saved. Yeah, she made a discovery. You know, you and I have made a wonderful discovery. Each of us, like her, were in need of a Savior. And most of us, I don't assume that everybody in here is saved. I, I wish that we all were, and you certainly can be before you leave this place, but certainly the, the vast majority of us, there was a time that we were lost. And we came face to face with the fact that we couldn't get ourselves to heaven, but God loved us, and Jesus died for us. We swallowed our pride, and we asked God to save us. Remember that day? Yeah. We didn't just discover the Savior, although He's sufficient. We discovered a new life. I mean, the old places, the old habits, the old pleasures, the old friends, they just weren't the same anymore. The song says things are different now. We discovered, oh, it's like this, uh, 
old fellow who'd had a really tough life came into church and the singing blessed his heart. And through the preaching, God stirred him. And the invitation, he came forward and he asked the Lord to save him. And after the service, as folks were fellowshipping, he just sat in the pew. Pretty soon, the whole place is empty. But he's still sitting there. And somebody asked him, can, can I help you? He said, please don't make me leave. He said, it's, it's like heaven in here. Please don't make me leave. It's, it's like heaven in here. And you know what we found? We found peace for our souls. We found a purpose in life. We found a, a reason for living. That's to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Make Him Lord of our life. Make Him head of our home. And, and everything that we do is filtered through is this the will of God? What would God have me to do? We found the answer to what we seek. It just makes sense that if it was good for us, it would be good for others. We found a good church. Several months ago, family visited our church. Tuesday night, Karen and I made a visit, knocked on the door, answered the door. He said, I'm so glad you're here. You saved me calling the church. Where do we get tithing envelopes? I love that visit. He said, we said we've been looking for a church like what, what we went to Sunday for a long time. We didn't know there were any churches left like that. I'm not saying we're the best church in the world. We're probably just in the top three. But I am saying if you're looking for a place where they preach the Bible, this is the place. If you're looking for a place where we not only preach it, but we try to live it, this is the place. If you're looking for a place where everybody is somebody, doesn't matter if you own your own business or you ride on the bus. You're a part of our church family. If you're looking for a place where people sincerely and genuinely believe we ought to help each other, this is the place. If you're looking for a place where, where we're concerned about your children and so we provide every possible ministry from, from Sunday school to junior church to our Christian school to our youth department, everything that we know of to be a help. This is the place. It just seems like there would be other folks that we could help. That's what Friend Day is all about. Now understand, I don't think everybody in Samaria came to Jesus. I don't think the whole crowd, the whole city, stopped what they were doing and came to see this anomaly. I'm not sure that happened, but I do know that everybody was invited and those who chose to come did come and it made a difference. 
So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we ought to be busy inviting. Well, I don't know if they'll come. Yeah, you don't know that now. You won't know until you ask them. Two, two pretty common answers. I'll try or forget it. But you don't know which it is until you ask. We all have lists of people we could ask. We have family. We have friends. We have co-workers. We have people we go to school with. We have neighbors. We're, Karen and I are working on the folks in our neighborhood. I, I, I think we're going to have some. She bribes them with banana bread. and It works on me. I think it'll work on them. But they've all told us in no uncertain terms, especially when they find out that I'm a pastor, oh, we have a church. Well, that doesn't mean they can't come and see. It doesn't mean they can't come and hear about the one who knows that it doesn't matter where you go to church. And so, we really ought to be taking advantage of this opportunity. Friend day isn't so that we can brag about how many people came. It's another opportunity that folks who might not ordinarily come to get under the sound of the Gospel, they just might come. What a great day we had on Easter. You know the best part about Easter? Four people got saved. Amen. You say, well, we had a good crowd. Sure we did. The music was wonderful. It was. We had some baptisms, and that's great. But the most important thing is four people who were on their way to hell are now going to heaven. It's got to be more. Well, I, I just... I, 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 don't want, I don't want to drive them away. Well, look, if, if you're not even willing to invite them to a special day at your church, chances are you've not driven them very far so far. The simple question, church. Is everybody going to heaven? No. Those not going to heaven, how can they get to heaven? They have to get saved. How are they going to get saved? Well, either you tell them or somebody else tells them. That's why coming on Friend Day when they can hear the Gospel is a great opportunity because they will hear the Gospel. Don't know if they'll get saved, but... They'll hear the gospel, and a lot of times God works on hearts. And uh, we plant a seed, and maybe later we water that seed. How do you do it? Well, you invite them, and then you pray. You pray. You know, God answers prayer. I'm going to try that again because some of you acted like, well, I'm not sure. Maybe. You know, God answers prayer. In Matthew, Jesus commits Himself. He said, ask and ye shall receive. You say, well, yeah, that, I know that verse, preacher, but I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I don't see any answers. Well, if you don't get your prayers answered, there's always a reason. 
Sometimes it's because God wants you to keep on praying. I just read this morning that Jesus told about the, the, the lady that, offered the, that went to see the judge, and he was busy. And he didn't want to talk to her, but she just, she just kept bugging him. And, and, and finally, he, he listened to her. The Bible says this, it says, Be, because of her importunity. That means persistence, almost to the point of being a pest. Because she just kept asking and asking and asking. Maybe God will answer our prayers if it means enough to us to just keep asking. Or maybe it's a matter of getting our hearts right with God. Maybe that we're not seeing answers to our prayers because we're not completely sold out to the Lord. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What does it mean to regard iniquity in your heart? It means you know it's wrong, but you're doing it anyway. Well, yeah, I, I know I really should. Well, then do it. Well, I, I really shouldn't. Then don't. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Christianity is not a, I'm doing better today than yesterday. It's, it's, it's I'm right with God or I'm not right with God. And it's not rocket science. The Bible's very clear. If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us my sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't, but I know what Isaiah 1.18 says. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be as wool. You've not gone far enough that God can't forgive you. See, being right with God is not God's problem, it's our problem. Well, if I get right with God, I'm going to have to get faithful. If I get right with God, I'm going to have to get serious. If I get right with God, I'm going to have to get busy. Yes. Yes. And yes. Well, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Well, then I'm not sure you're going to get your prayers answered. Many have unsaved loved ones. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and you wonder what's the problem. Well, it may be that you just need to keep praying, but it may be that you're not right with God. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy that He cannot hear. But... Your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid His face from you so that He will not hear. Let me put it real simply. If you're not right with God, the Lord says, hold your breath. No sense praying because I'm not paying attention. I mean, think about it, parents. You're not going to uh, grant the wishes of your children when they're disobedient. You're much more likely to give them what they desire when they're uh, submissive and obedient and pleasant instead of rebellious and seeing how much they can get away with before the hammer falls. Thank you for tuning in today for Truth For Today, a ministry of Rochester Hills Baptist Church. If you would like this message in its entirety, please visit us at rhbchurch.com or phone us at 248 852 0585. Please join us again next week for Truth For Today.